the Swiss are on the offensive against cancer. This is Industry Focus. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the healthcare edition of Industry Focus. I'm your host, Christine Hargis, and we've got Todd Campbell on the show via Skype, our regular healthcare contributor. Todd, how's it going? Good. How are you? Pretty good. It's Veterans Day here in the U.S., so special shout-out to all of our veterans that are listening today. Uh, really interesting news out of Exelixis this week, and we'll also later in the show be talking about Colorado for a reason other than marijuana for once. But first, what does Switzerland have to do with anything? Well, one piece of Exelixis's recent news was the approval of its new drug Cotelic in the U.S., so this drug was approved as a combination therapy with the Swiss company Roche's Zelbaraf to treat a specific variation of advanced melanoma. Now, Zelbaraf has been on the market already for five years. Sales are kind of slowing down a little bit, so I'm sure Roche investors are quite pleased and cheering for this approval, which didn't really come as much of a surprise as the combination was already approved in Switzerland and a European Union advisory panel also recommended its approval in the EU, so we can probably expect one there sometime in the future as well. So let's dig into this new drug combo a little bit. Todd, can you walk us through some of the highlights of its clinical performance? Sure. This is an important drug, if only because it offers a new treatment option for patients with melanoma who've seen their disease advance. So, you know, essentially with melanoma, if you catch it early, it's pretty treatable. Unfortunately, when it advances, it gets a little bit more tricky. Now, the FDA has made a lot of efforts um, to bring you know, a quicker pathway, if you will, to approval for for different drugs targeting cancers, including melanoma. Uh, This is the most recent, um, I guess, example of that. Uh, Catelic, uh, when used alongside Roche's proven drug, Zelbaraf, did indeed boost both the overall response rate. So, you know, did you partially respond to the drug combination? Did you have an overall response? Was it a complete response? It did improve that um, to 70% from 50% if you were on Zelbaraf alone. Um, it also, though, importantly, uh, delayed disease progression. Okay, so, you know, if you go into, uh, into the numbers and you look and you say, okay, well, how long, how many months go by before the melanoma starts to get worse or recurs? And when patients were treated with this two-drug combo, it took about 12.3 months um, before the disease progressed, where if you were just taking Zelbaraf, it was about 7.3 months. So that's a huge improvement uh, in progression-free survival for the two-drug combo versus the monotherapy. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a game-changing drug for a lot of people. I think one question that is really on people's minds right now that Exelisis did weigh in on a little bit is pricing. Um, So Roche actually gets to set the price here. And I would imagine that anybody looking at at this drug from a patient perspective is like, oh, gosh, what are they going to charge me for to get this drug? So what we've heard so far is that Cotelic is going to be about – $6,590 $6,590 a month. And meanwhile, Zelbaraf is currently about 11000 a month. So if you add those together, you get a combo price of 1750 
That's, of course, $17,500 a month, um, which is about an 8% discount to a, a similar treatment available from Novartis, but still looking at a really expensive drug here. Now, of course, if you look at that from an investor's standpoint, the companies are going to be making quite a bit of of money, and I, I've seen sales estimates all over the place for this combination. Todd, what do you believe could be a, a peak sales estimate? Right. Well, we have two things that we have to consider here. Right. We have yes, this drug uh, is a big advance for people with tough to treat cases of melanoma. Right. So there's the human side of it. For sure. As investors and in trying to figure out, you know, if there's an investing thesis we can get behind. We have to look at and say, okay, well, can they make money by marketing, developing, and selling this drug? Okay, and that's where we start to get into this area where we're talking about high-priced cancer drugs, absent or in, you know, realizing too that we know that paying for cancer treatments it can be a, a major burden for patients. So, yes, cancer drugs have gotten much more expensive over the course of the last three years, far more drugs coming to market with $100,000 price tags. Um, and that's why it doesn't shock me that the companies are you know, discussing numbers around what you just outlined. Um, the bigger question that I have isn't necessarily, is the price high enough um, to move the needle for these companies? It's more, is the competitive landscape um, conducive to them grabbing market share and being able to, you know, outmaneuver other drugs that have also been approved for use uh, in patients in the past year, it, it, you know, on that measure, I'm not so sure. I think that we'll need to digest this over the course of the next few quarters and see how this plays out because investors also have to know that Bristol Myers back in September won an approval for using Optivo um, alongside its Yervoy in BRAF. Uh, positive patients. So there's a lot of moving parts to figuring out what the economic, you know, benefit could be to Exelixis, especially given the fact that, you know, Exelixis exercised its uh, rights to, you know, co-promote this drug in the U.S. Right. That means that it won't be receiving royalties on sales. It actually has to pay for half of the marketing expenses that are associated with 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 um, getting it to doctors and patients. Um, the upside obviously being that they'll share in any profit or loss that's generated. Yeah, and it's so really only a 50-50 share. pieces of that puzzle, you know, patient population and use uh, or volume and price. Exactly. Yeah. And as it is right now, as you mentioned, since they are sharing in the U.S. profits, they're only getting 50% right now. And that's going to decrease as sales increase with Roche taking the rest of it. And meanwhile, it's sharing the costs as well for marketing and commercialization. So another thing to consider with all this is, well, okay, could Kotelik be approved elsewhere? And it actually is being studied in other areas. I mean, the advanced melanoma landscape, as you mentioned, is looking pretty crowded already. And there are several other experimental treatments that are hopefully on the way, going through clinical trials and showing some promise. But when you look at uh, some other options that you have for the drug and, and where it could potentially be an, another you know, piece of the puzzle. So it's being studied as a combination with another Roche drug, an experimental anti-PDL1 therapy, and this could potentially be a treatment for solid tumors. 
Um, so, of course, this is still a very early stage type of drug as far as post-approval or late stage trials go. We don't really have any way of saying exactly how much revenue it could bring in, but it's, it's certainly something to keep an eye on. Todd, um, I'm just curious if you could touch on what else is going on with Exalysis. I mean, this is just one part of, of their story. Um, what else should investors know if, if somebody is interested in looking at this stock? This is an intriguing company because it's got a lot of different irons that are in the fire. But it's also a company that's spending a tremendous amount of money on this research and development programs. You have to really balance the two and say, okay, if these are early stage, you know, label expansion uh, type studies, I don't know whether or not you can put a value on how much those are worth yet. You know, so you have to look at Cometric, which is approved for medullary thyroid cancer uh, and is generating out sales of about 7 million per quarter. Um, and then you have to look at Cotelic, which has just been approved and we don't really know what the um, what the impact on the top line may be in the next year. Um, I think that investors need to pay particular attention over the course of the next couple quarters, see how this plays out. They also need to be watching to see whether or not um, the FDA approves Cometric uh, for use in kidney cancer. Um, earlier this year, actually last month, uh, the company did uh, submit an application for approval in kidney cancer. Um, that clears the way for an FDA, FDA decision next year. Uh, if approved, obviously, that now would give you know the company three different revenue streams, if you will, the medullary thyroid, um, the melanoma, and then the kidney cancer angle. But again, both the melanoma and the kidney cancer indication are both crowded in competitive fields. Um, so it's unclear to me you know, how much market share they're going to end up with. Yeah, I think those are all good points. And I mean, this is a company that is still losing money. I mean, they're expected to be profitable in 2019. But again, those are projections. And that's kind of a long way away. So this is almost, yeah, I don't want to say typical, because none of these stocks are necessarily typical. But it is kind of typical for a biotech, where it's fairly speculative. It's, it's a pretty risky bet. Uh, another thing that I'll remind everybody that's listening, is that people on the program could have interest in the stocks that they talk about. The Motley Fool could have formal recommendations for or against. There's a lot of great research on our site, fool.com, and out there elsewhere. I mean, you can go find statements from the companies themselves. Uh, Just make sure that you're doing your own research and don't buy or sell based solely on what you hear. But this is an interesting story. Definitely keep an eye on it. Uh, Let's hop over to the goings-on in Colorado. So earlier this week, it was announced that a proposal involving a single-payer healthcare system in Colorado will officially be on the 2016 ballot. Now, that's pretty exciting. Uh, They needed to get almost 100,000 signatures to get it on the ballot, and they collected way more than that. Absolutely crushed it. Got 158,000 signatures. So what, what are Colorado residents weighing in on here? Colorado voters are not afraid to shake things up, are they? Not even a little bit. <laughs> you know, the approval, obviously, of, uh, of marijuana uh, is it was groundbreaking, if you will. Um, and new ground could also be broken if voters pass legislation next year that would allow for a single-payer system for people who live and earn money in Colorado, wherein... The residents would be able to pick their provider, go to the doctor, and the state of Colorado would pick up the tab. How on earth are they going to pay for that, Todd? 
Well, it's going to be pricey. You know, estimates are pegging the cost at about $25 billion. Yeah, and, and that's coming uh, from the backers. They're the ones saying that. Like, that's yeah, not even the opponents. $25 billion. And it's probably going to be much higher than that, right? So, who knows, right? But they're trying to, to, they're trying to attack a situation that is on the minds of everyone, especially now that you know, we're at open enrollment. A lot of people are signing up for the health insurance for next year. Insurance premiums continue to climb. And, you know, one of the ways that the proponents think uh, they can rein in those costs is by getting the private insurers out of the marketplace. You get rid of their administrative, you get rid of their profit uh, incentive, and you negotiate directly with the drug makers, directly with the hospital systems and the primary care physicians. You get maybe better pricing, uh, and then you pay for that through taxation rather than premium payments. So what they're saying basically is, okay, we'll pay that $25 billion by uh, instituting a 10% payroll tax. 6.67% of that payroll tax is going to be picked up by the employer. The remainder will be picked up by the employee. Um, but at the same time, yes, you're paying more in taxes, but now you won't have to pay your insurance premium right. or your copays. Yeah, and and moving that budget over to government is kind of a huge expansion of government for the state. It would literally double the size of their budget. However, you get people that are in support of this bill saying that the initiative could slash five billion from what residents currently pay in premiums. Yeah, I, I I'm skeptical of all of those numbers at this point. Um, I, I think that we'll probably get more insight as as people really dig into this. Uh, and the battle goes on and escalates next year ahead of the election or the vote. Um, the costs are what the costs are. I mean, we, we know, anybody who's been listening to our program knows that the expenses that are tied to next generation medications that work better uh, and to care is climbing. And those expenses have to be paid for somehow. So you can say, okay, it's going to be a 10% tax. Uh, and we're going to make up the savings somewhere else. But at the end of the day, the drug companies are still going to want to make more money next year than they did this year. The primary care doctors are still going to want to make more money next year than they do this year. Um, so, you know, what does that mean? Does that mean that taxes continue to go higher and higher and higher? No one knows, right? So I don't think necessarily by saying, okay, we're going to go to single type payer that we're going to eliminate uh, cost increases for the system it's more that we're going to shift them and we'll better understand what those costs are. Now, that's going to have big implications, potentially, both to the insurance industry, obviously. They're getting cut out of that market. 5.3 million people live in Colorado. Um, but it's going to have, it could have implications in a lot of different ways. So we're going to have to watch this vote very carefully and pay attention to the debate as it rages on next year. Yeah, I mean, there are so many good points being brought up on both sides of this argument. I saw one critic contend that nearly one-fifth of Colorado jobs are somehow associated with the healthcare industry. And the guy who said that says that a single-payer system would destroy the industry. So, I mean, you're talking about a lot of people there. Obviously, the tax itself would impact everybody, particularly if you're self-employed. You're going to be paying that 10% just completely yourself, all of that 10% instead of only having a third of it and the rest of it being picked up by your employer. So, clearly, a lot of moving pieces here. This is a very, very new proposal to be officially on the ballot. So, I'm sure people on both sides of the argument are going to be weighing in a ton more. 
And so chalk it up to the list. Uh, We've already talked about a couple other things on this program that will end up being theoretically or probably or definitely on the 2016 ballot. So lots to watch for in the next election cycle. Todd, thank you so much for all the great information that you shared, as always. And folks, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.